Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. And it really is right now. What are shadow people? If you see them in your home, are they precursors to something worse? What do you do about them? Well, hello there, and welcome to the 513th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Paul. Ben is on the way in from Boston. He's a little late, but he will be here. And those shadowy questions are meant for our guests this evening. And we welcome back one of the most important and prominent people in the paranormal world for a look at one of its most perplexing mysteries. And we do welcome your phone calls this evening. The number locally is 401-766-1240. And from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, 800-449-1240. Rosemary Ellen Guiley is one of the leading experts on the paranormal with more than 50 books published by major houses on a wide variety of paranormal, spiritual, and mystical topics, including nine single-volume encyclopedias. Her work is translated into 15 languages. She has worked full-time in the paranormal since 1983, researching, investigating, writing, presenting, and teaching. Her present work focuses on... Excuse me. Interdimensional entity contact experiences of all kinds, something that's right up our street, uh, to the technological and mediumistic communications, spiritual growth and development, problem hauntings, and geographic areas of intense paranormal activity. She has done groundbreaking research on shadow people and the jinn. Rosemary is well known in the media around the world with credits too numerous to mention. One of the areas where she has been uh, doing groundbreaking work uh, is the shadow people, as I say. Uh, we'll stay away from the gin tonight. That'll be for New Year's. That's supposed to be funny. Her websites are visionaryliving.com and ginuniverse.com. That's D-J-I-N-N universe.com. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. Hi there, Paul. It's great to be back with you. That's great. And I must say, you've gotten us out of a few jams on this show from one time or another. You filled in for Ben, and you've um, really helped us out here and there. We're really grateful, and it's always great to have you. So let's start right at the beginning. What are shadow people? Well, I'm afraid we're going to have to get into the gin early, Paul, because okay. uh, that's exactly <laughs> what they are. Okay, shadow I'm ready. Are a, taken by gin. Mr. Producer, get the bottle. Okay. Happen. Go right ahead. I'm sorry? No, no, go right ahead. I was trying to make another joke. It never works. <laughs> um, these are supernatural entities who share the planet with us, and they act uh, like poltergeists. They can act like uh, demonic entities. They can be playful like fairies. But one of their favorite forms is this shadow person image, and it looks like a human being, like a tall man in solid black, often uh, with the appearance of a coat or a cape and a hat or, or some sort of hood. And these are not friendly entities. They're very threatening and menacing uh, they throw off a lot of malevolent energy, and they like to visit people in the middle of the night in their bedrooms. It's especially scary. How do you tell, tell the difference between one of them and a quote-unquote gray alien? Uh, well, they don't have any features. Sometimes they might have a red eyes, but usually they're solid black, like a cutout. Okay. And they're blacker than black. They are involved in the abduction scenario, but... Uh, they don't seem to come with the, the aliens. They like to take people away. They come beforehand. They'll often visit abductees um, a few days or even a couple of weeks prior to an abduction experience. 
Well, that's they interesting. They also observe people. Sometimes they physically attack people. Um, people have described uh, physical encounters with them that they feel like they're wrestling with something very solid, and yet these things will turn into smoke and vanish, go through walls, disappear. It's like they can be three-dimensional solid and then uh, defy the laws of physics and vanish into nothing in the blink of an eye. Interesting. It's funny because that's happened to me, as you know, uh, in poltergeist situations. And I often wonder if, and we've talked about this before, but I often wonder if the names we apply to these things often depend on the context in which we experience them and the way in which we experience them. You know, in other words, if you see something by your bed, a shadowy figure, oh, aha, a shadow person, but if there's a something like that in your yard with a disc over it, aha, an alien, you know, maybe it, is, it, is it arbitrary or do these things really have objective, independent existences, in your opinion? I've come to the conclusion that a lot of it's very arbitrary and is based on uh, our experience at the time and how we interpret things. And that we might be talking about the very same entity throughout history, for example, just putting different names on them. Yeah. Uh, for example, when I started re- researching shadow people, I didn't really know what they were. They didn't be ghosts, didn't act like demons, uh, they didn't act like ETs. Um, I, I wasn't certain what they were, and it took me quite a while to build up uh, hundreds of cases where I could look at patterns. Uh, finally, when I started analyzing them as a form of spin, everything fit very well. Hmm. So in going back through history and looking at what are some of the creepy kinds of experiences that humans have had with dark forms and what labels have they put on them, we've called them demons, the devil, black fairies, the watchers, phantom monks, uh, and they all act very similar. So we may actually be dealing with the, the same sort of thing just um, don't realize it. Hmm. You know, it's funny. Uh, you, you and I have been at this game a long time, and I don't remember hearing the term shadow people, although the, the, the concept was there, but the term shadow people until maybe about 10 years ago. Uh, when did it originate, and who, who coined it, do you know? I don't know, and I've, I've tried to pinpoint it myself. I, I started researching shadow people years ago. It was 2004. And the term had been around before that, but I don't think much longer. It seems to be a fairly recent term, uh, just like the term black-eyed kids, yeah, which yeah. may be a different of, of uh, shadow people. Mm-hmm. And um, I've never been able to find out who coined them. Um, and uh, I started getting a lot of emails from people all describing these bedroom visitors that look acted the same. And that's what piqued my curiosity in terms of what are these things and, and why are they doing this? Well, you know, one of the... Conc- no, I, no, I'm sorry, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, okay. Well, well uh, one, of the, because- one of the things, there are two points uh, I wanted to, to bring up. One is that uh, I'm always a little bit suspicious of the many, many experiences that occur, maybe not suspicious, but uh, anxious to get behind many of the experiences that are reported on the cusp of sleep. You know, uh, we're, we're not in the same, if you... If you pardon the use of the term, psychic state, as we are generally when we're awake, at least most people aren't. And on the cusp of sleep, we will frequently hear things and see things that aren't usually present in our daily lives in the sense of day-to-day goings-on. So I'm wondering if um, that is a factor in some of the shadow people experiences. 
Uh, and I'm also thinking of a second point, and that is uh, in the midst of a number of negative entity cases that I or Ben and I have worked on, shadow people in the sense of small, shadowy figures seen sometimes out of the corner of the eye, but sometimes head on, seem to be present. Now, whether that's, you know, you, well, you know our, our lingo, whether that's, you know, sort of a denizens of parallel worlds just sort of impinging where there's an overlap of several worlds and have nothing to do with the actual demonic or so-called entities, uh, or whether it's some kind of connection with the uh, the parasitical entities involved, you know, it's it's difficult to pin down. So uh, what's your experience with, oh, here's Ben, what's your experience with small shadowy entities and would those qualify as shadow people even if they don't do anything? Am I making myself clear? I'm sorry, throwing a lot of stuff up. <laughs> Do and in fact, the whole shadow person phenomenon is quite large, and there's like a core experience that uh, would uh, classify like the kind of thing that most people experience. And then there are these subcategories that also fit the shadow person uh, umbrella. And one of them is small beings. There's a subset of shadow people who are small in stature. They often come in multiples, whereas the larger figures either as solitaries or maybe in pairs. And um, sometimes the little ones are more terrifying than, than the, the larger ones uh, to people. And um, they do seem to uh, be attracted to haunted areas. I see them in a lot of what I call negatively haunted places. Yeah. Um, and then they, they also will attach and they will follow people from one home to another. They will follow families on down through generations, uh, almost like um, a banshee, poltergeist, demon sort of familiar that literally feeds off them. And these entities seem to be attracted to uh, bad emotional states like fear, anger, depression, people going through chaos. They come and visit us in the bedroom. A lot of times they seem to be interested in watching us, and they also have uh, the capability of vampirizing us in some way. People feel their life force can be sucked out by these beings in a close encounter. It sounds very much like our descriptions of the lower shelf species of parasites. Yes, and in fact, there may be an awful lot of overlap there. And again, it, it boils down to some key questions of what are we really dealing with? Are yeah, what, dealing is, what with is the things? ontology of these things? Uh, yeah, yeah. Are, are there different entities that have overlapping characteristics and um, and behavior patterns, or are there a few entities that shape shift into mul- multiple, even myriad forms in order to have the interactions they desire? And it's very difficult to draw the line between the two. Yeah, have you? You obviously have encountered them yourself. Can you describe some of the experiences? I have. I have. Um, when I've taken on um, negative haunting cases, I call them negative hauntings because um, nothing seems to make the phenomena go away, and it's usually a host of things, sounds and smells to um, shadow figures and other kinds of figures. Um, and they can be very tall and threatening. Uh, they can, they're like six to eight feet tall. Sometimes they're just like a pillar uh, of a black pillar that you can see moving around head-on, not just out of the of your eye, but head-on. They move very fast. Uh, they can seem to be in 
like one spot in one instant and another spot in the next. Sometimes they glide. Um, and in the in the haunting cases that I've done, they don't come real close to people. They will come close enough to, uh, I think they want people to be afraid and uh, you try, they, they're trying to incite and fear within you. Um, when they seem to target individuals, like in the bedroom visitations, they will come up to the bedside and even grab people or uh, jump on top of them in the bed. And uh, you had mentioned, Paul, uh, about, you know, these boundaries between wakefulness and sleep. And, uh, yes, that is a factor in some of these cases. I have many, many where people say, I wasn't sure if I was asleep or dreaming, but this is what happened. And it's often in that liminal borderland state. Then there are these other cases, full awake. Uh, they wake up because they sit in the bedroom or they hear something. Something wakes them up and they come full awake and and have the um, encounter with these beings in the room at that time. So um, I, I have to uh, believe that there is entity that is capable of coming into our dimension, into our space, has intention, purpose, and agenda, and they uh, favor these nighttime hours when we're, we are very vulnerable. Mm. One of the things we've noticed, and see if this rings a bell with you, is that in, because uh, I've, I've tried to make a special study whenever I'm able to of, of, again, what we call these parasitical entities of the lower variety, and I found that they are very often uh, the, the longer they spend attached to a host here, whether, whether in a group or as individuals, the the more they tend to forget their own origins. I find, uh, if I'm reading it correctly, that they are very often afraid to separate from that host because they don't know what they'll do. They don't know where they'll go. They don't know how they'll eat. Uh, does that ring a bell with you at all? It's very intriguing. It certainly, it certainly could explain some of these long-term attachments especially where uh, multiple members within a family uh, all have the encounters with these uh, beings, and it goes on from one generation to another, just like uh, we see in the abduction scenarios yeah. where our entire families mm-hmm. sort of get infected with this abduction thing. And uh, it could very well be that these entities, uh, who probably have lifespans much longer than ours, uh, they Similar. are looking for a constant food source, and so they just keep that attachment going. Um, and if they lose that, then they would have to find new hosts. Mm-hmm. No, that that certainly rings uh, rings a bell with us. Uh, ben, you've joined us. Is there any uh, any comment on this so far? Uh, wait for it. <laughs> okay. I'm still I'm still gathering my thoughts. You see, I'll get I'll, I'll get back to you. Yes, here at the still recovering from the commute. Okay, very good. Uh, now, again, uh, are they? Um, have you ever encountered situations where they're not really conscious of us? I mean, that doesn't make sense compared to what we, you know, given what we've just said. But there, there seem to be some occasions where they may be just passing through our world or whatever. Um, do they? Do they have in the patterns you've noticed? Have you ever noticed rogues, so to speak? Have you ever noticed pass-throughs as opposed to a? an individual or a group deliberately targeting a family or an individual or even a community? Yes, I have quite a few reports like that. And I do believe that have these tracks, areas that are bleed between dimensions, 
And sometimes these entities seem to move along track lines, and they can yeah, pass through right. homes, pass through yards. Um, when they're seen outdoors, people will talk about how they see these entities moving along, and it's, it's like uh, they're not even aware of human beings around them or even the physical surroundings. It's almost they're in their their own, literally in their own world, and they're moving with their in that way. Uh, and uh, they do have these tracks for homes, too, and I, I think that the tracks were there and the houses got on top of the tracks. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's funny. Remember that case we had in Providence a few years back now? And the uh, the people came to us and said, you know, everybody, that they owned, they were landlords, they owned several houses, uh, several houses, each each of which had apartments, but it was in a lovely little kind of quad. Yeah, it was in, over uh, on the, uh, Federal Hill. Yeah, on uh, uh, College Hill, actually. Well, no, it was Federal Hill. Well, whatever, it was in, in the very nice area of Providence, right? And the... Uh, the, the people, they would say, in this one particular house, people would move in there, they'd say, and, and their lives would fall apart. didn't matter what floor they lived on, but particularly on the lower floor. Yeah, there was some woman who worked at a bank. She had a really good job, and then uh, I think she got like laid off or something, or the bank got robbed. It was something like really like intense. It was something very intense and yeah. almost unlikely, a combination yeah, was, of things. Was, and that was yeah. typical of what would happen. And she said, you know, was this anything you could deal with? And I said, well, you might have problems with, as as Rosemary might say, a a sort of a track going through there. And and that seems to be very much what we we found. I don't think it's as linear as a track. Well, well, that's a human term, of course. But I mean, it's, uh, I I think it makes sense to me in the sense that... I suppose, yeah. there There are certain, now we don't know exactly how the multiverse works, but there are certain areas where there are Frequent overlaps. The energies are right. Even the geotechnics of the site. Uh, that the, yeah, but uh, that could change. It can change. That's right. Yeah, which so is it's, why it's, it's not it's not static. Which is why I always thought that certain stone circles in Europe, for example, sometimes are energized and some are not. Because when they were built, they might have been energized and then it stopped, moved yeah. somewhere else. Oh yeah, totally. How do we get into that? Well, in any case, uh, there we are. So, but as far as the uh, the uh, shadow people have concer- are concerned, Rosemary, have you noticed? Um, different levels, as we might describe, uh, from the lower echelon to a higher echelon, say, that might have more wisdom in a dark sense of the term, that might be more uh, able to learn and, and to push buttons to people to, in order to, to feed. Have you noticed um, more adept uh, kinds of shadow people? Yes, there there are some that uh, seem to be very reluctant to uh, engage with people in any way and soon as they realize they've seen, they're gone. And there's no communication. Um, they're very flitting and elusive. There are others that seem to be uh, much more intelligent, much better, <clears throat> and have deliberate purposes for uh, coming around people. There's things specifically they want, and it's they're much harder to get rid of. Some of these others, like the lower level ones, you can get rid of them by turning on a light, by shouting at them, uh, telling them to go away. Uh, people have used prayer. Um, it's like getting an animal to scat. Mm-hmm. And, and then there are these others that are very resistant to anything that, that you use to attempt to get rid of them. They're more malevolent, and they seem to be more dangerous. Let's take it a little deeper. Well, I had a question. Sure. Alrighty. So you mentioned something interesting that I don't know why, but this really, really caught my attention. That um, that if the if these are lower level shadow people or whatever, makes it sound like I'm talking about Dungeons and Dragons. Um, 
the uh, light scares them away. Now, why do you think that is? I don't think it scares them away so much as uh, it may make them more uh, make it more difficult for them to manifest in our environment. These entities seem to be very sensitive, electromagnetic kinds of energy, including uh, electrical fields. And when people keep lights on, uh, television sets, it's lights and televisions especially, but also computers and radios, seems to change, alter the energy field in an environment that my suspicion is it makes it harder for some of them to stay. Or it could act as a sort of pacifier so that they won't need to manifest to get the energy out of us, so to speak. Well, I can see well they do seem to want something out of us. And the people talk about um, feeling their own energy stated around them. Uh, they um, seem to like to get energy off fear. And yeah. they, they deliberately try and frighten people because there's something in that adrenaline of uh, instant, intense fear that uh, I believe benefits as well. Well, this is something we always stress. These, whatever you call them, are part of nature. As with a mosquito or some other parasite, they will feed upon you. And, and the trouble with these things seems to be that they're, they're highly intelligent, learn very quickly, and find out what buttons to push. That's our experience anyway. All right, so uh, let, let's, um, well, actually, we're going to take a break shortly, but, let, but let's, let's get these questions going. Let's go a little deeper. Uh, the, the agenda of these things Let's before we move on. Let's let's nail that down. The agenda seems to be what, in your opinion, or or are there different agendas for different beings? I believe there are different agendas, and here we can only speculate as these beings don't communicate. You know, they don't deliver warnings, threats, ultimatums. uh, You know, that that sort of thing. Well, I don't know. I've run into their behavior pattern, and uh, and draw some conclusions from that. Some of them. I think are are intent on feeding off of us in, in some way. Uh, others uh, actually seem to be curious, and uh, they might also be observing us. There might be some uh, spying on us or reporting back, you know, some data collection going on about us. There are some who seem to be involved in the abduction scenario with the abductions, so uh, we don't know exactly what their relationship is there. And then... Um, Another very plausible scenario that uh, I've discussed researchers all around the globe, in fact, is are these entities interested in um, doing something to us to subjugate us? That if, uh, according to their lore about them that goes back to ancient times, they were the dominant beings on this planet before us. And so uh, some people believe, uh, and I think it's, it's a good scenario myself, I've written about that in the Jin Connection, that there could be a faction of these, like the terrorist faction of these entities, who uh, would like to reclaim their t- their homeland, so to speak. They would be looking for ways uh, to uh, get, gain the upper hand on masses of beings. They haven't been able to do that because they're all over the planet, but um, that doesn't stop them trying, just like, um, you know, terrorists on our side, you know, human terrorists don't stop trying either. Yeah, that's a very Lovecraftian scenario almost, but I think we're going to take a break right now, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON 1240 
in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. Hi, I'm Russ Gorman. When I first started doing my show, a program directed with a mischievous sense of humor started a rumor that I did the show on the nude. Not true! But you'll get the naked truth and an astrological chart that I do for you. I uncover every aspect of your life, helping you to strip away your problems and give you insight to your future. If you're seeking the real skinny for this exciting year, call me for information on getting your individual chart or update done at 401-333-4048 and get your free lucky numbers for the entire year. Don't come home from a casino in a barrel. From the top to the bottom of every page will bear the facts about you and your future. Call me at 401-333-4048 for a real eye-opener. I'm also available for speaking engagements for your club or groups and for private parties. Hi, this is Romeo Berthiam, host of The Saturday Show here on ON Radio, announcing that my producer, Darren Cooper, and I will be hosting a special Christmas edition of The Saturday Show on Monday evening, December 23rd, from 6 to 9 p.m. This program will follow the same basic format of our Saturday morning program with a twist. We'll be taking your requests and special dedications for any Christmas favorite that you may want to hear, but in return, we will also be asking you to make a donation to Woonsocket's favorite charity, The Milk Fund. We'll also be conducting the Milk Fund auction along with several contests and special guests throughout the show. So mark your calendars. Don't miss this very special edition of the Saturday Show on Monday evening, December 23rd from 6 to 9 p.m. here on ON 1240. That's the Saturday Show on Monday evening, December 23rd from 6 to 9. It's our way of helping Woonsocket's favorite charity, the 2013 Milk Fund Appeal. We're always here for you, Radio. My name is Keith Minchillo. I'm a letter carrier with the Woonsocket Post Office. Letter carriers lose an hour of daylight each day at this time of year, and as a result must make some deliveries after dark. Many postal patrons receive their mail late in the day and may have a replacement carrier who is unfamiliar with your delivery. In order to make the delivery safer for your carrier, the approach to your mail receptacle should be free from debris and well lit. Letter carriers take pride in their job. Please help us deliver your mail by making sure we can access your mailbox safely. Thank you. You can depend on us for public service. Owen Radio. Well, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. And before we get back to our wonderful guest, I wanted to mention several charities Ben and I have adopted. One, of course, USA Cares, another Canadian Veterans Advocacy, and also one that was very inspiring to me this past weekend. And that, and that was, okay, and that, that was, um, the, uh, out in Burrowville, the Builders Helping Heroes, a charity of the Rhode Island Builders Association, which presented the keys to a beautiful, uh, 2,500 square foot specially adapted house to Kevin and Kayla Dubois. Kevin is a Marine corporal who lost both his legs in Afghanistan in combat, and it was a tremendously inspiring day. Many dignitaries were there, and in the words of uh, General Timothy McHale, U.S. Army retired, uh, the president of Homes for Our Troops, which led the charge on that one, this was not an act of charity to give the Dubois this house. It was, um, it was a requirement of honor. It was uh, an obligation 
of honor for us to do so. So it was very, uh, it was a great privilege to be there, and we congratulate the Dubois and wish them a very happy life in their new house in Harrisville. Uh, and they are expecting their first child in February, which is a, a really, really great uh, addition to the the uh, events which occurred this weekend. So, again, uh, check that out, buildershelpingheroes.com, Homes for Our Troops, USA Cares, and Canadian Veterans Advocacy. They're all online. So let's get back to our uh, less than pleasant topics, I guess, sometimes, uh, shadow people, and our marvelous guest, Mer- Rosemary Ellen Guiley, our good friend and uh, one of the more prominent people, certainly, in paranormal research today in many, many different areas. So, Rosemary, as we say, let, let's get a little deeper into the shadow person thing. One of the things that complicates the entire scenario, in my experience anyway, is that the the idea of what is traditionally called demonic obsession or demonic possession, poltergeists, and things of this kind. Do you... Uh, okay, I guess we've got a bit of a problem here. We lost our guest. Okay. we uh, Well, what we've found anyway, what I've found in, in uh, 43 years of work is that these shadow people, I guess uh, Rosemary certainly calls them shadow people. We might refer to them as parasites, but I think we might be talking about the same kinds of beings. These are, I guess I would say physical beings, part of nature, that live in this strange quantum universe that we seem to inhabit, which involves many, many different parallel worlds. Worlds, The world that we live in, the one that we see every day when we get out of bed, is not necessarily the same world as uh, these may exist in. And uh, what you see is, again, what is not what you get, because various um, uh, physicists uh, over the years, and now many, many, have, have adopted the idea of parallel worlds, and these may be beings that come from these worlds. So this is, uh, this is what we're dealing with. And again, the idea of shadow people is uh, just one way of expressing this. Uh, do we have Mary uh, Rosemary back? Rosemary, are you with us? I am. Oh, good, right. good. There we go. You sound good, too. Sorry about the technical problems. This is the day for it. But it's in any Monday. case, <laughs> we, we were bringing in the notion of, of obset, what used to be called obsession, possession, poltergeist, and all this sort of thing. Have you ever seen what you would call a shadow person leading to a sort of bonding between the host or the victim or whatever you want to call the, the human being and the entity itself. I mean, we've seen that in, in negative situations. Ha, have you, and uh, what causes it, and what can be done about it? I have seen it in a small number of cases, and usually the first contact experience has happened early in childhood. I've had uh, people describe uh, this entity becoming like a companion to them, and uh, it's um, a, a comforting presence in childhood and then it it sort of ages along with them and um, when it gets older then sometimes it initiates a romantic slash sexual relationship with them. We've seen that too, yeah. So sort of a symbiotic thing going on where both sides get what they want. These personalities seem to be kind of what we call encounter-prone personalities. They're people who can dissociate very easily, um, who often feel very isolated, and uh, they they may be singled out as targets by these entities uh, who who know that they would have a very good chance of attaching to them. But um, I've often wondered if there's, there is a genuine um, emotional feeling from these beings being yeah. toward human beings because um, some of them seem seem to be quite fond of yeah well, I agree I agree with you and I think there might be an explanation for that but at the moment we have a caller and okay. uh, 
And welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Well, it's so great to be, uh, uh, well, to hear you tonight because uh, if I didn't know, um, I wouldn't have known about you people unless I, I went on Facebook and found out. But I, I want to know, so many things have happened to me over um, my entire life, and uh, some I can talk to you about and some I can't, but um, I have a... An echo. That's why I'm having a little problem here. This well, you, you sound good here, uh, but you're oh. speaking with Rosemary Ellen Guiley. And, yeah, you're standing uh, next to a radio. That might be why. Oh, okay. Well, it's, I'm not really. Oh, uh, <laughs> okay, I don't know. But that's okay. That's okay. Um, you know what? Um, up until a couple of months ago, I felt um, like when I went to bed, I, I would feel like there would be something like walking on my bed like a cat or something like that, you know? You'd feel it walking on the bed and... Um, I just wondered if that would be one of the um, shadow people that would be doing that. I mean, I, 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 I was so scared at times that um, the last time it happened, I started to yell at it and say, get out of here. You know, this is not funny. And it hasn't happened since, you know. Another thing that happens, and this hasn't happened in a while, is that, like, I'd wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning and I could hear, um, it, it, it would sound like a room full of people talking, only I couldn't figure out, one thing that they were saying, I mean, does that make sense to you? <laughs> Go ahead, Rosemary. It does, uh, and these are phenomena that uh, are, are common in, in various haunting situations. So uh, you, you could be having some uh, residual haunting phenomena going on. There are phantom animals. There are entities who will shapeshift into a variety of forms, and uh, the entities known as the jinn will, will often talk uh, in uh, murmurs, and it's, you can't really understand what they're saying. Well, you know, um, but it, it's exactly what's going on there. There, uh, there may be some residual haunting phenomena uh, that could have accrued from uh, past histories. Okay. Well, well um, may, may I ask where, not specifically where you live, but uh, <coughs> do you live in? Well, I live in Winsocket, and I just uh, friended you on Facebook. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm the person that asked you about a person that was at our Christmas party recently. Oh, know. okay. Well, yeah. very well. Glad to have you on the show. Um, yeah, okay. So, Winsocket, of course, is is the the center of our listening area, and, and where we broadcast and this part from. of New England. Yes, where we broadcast from. So, I would love to meet with you sometimes and tell you other things that have happened, and, and to see, you know, how you feel about what happened and why it happened. Yeah, sure. I'm sure that can be arranged. Okay. But uh, j just to add, uh, maybe just, just a bit to what uh, uh, what Rosemary has suggested. Um, you know, R Rosemary, we, we're dear friends, but we, we don't always agree on terminology and some of the, some of the concepts. But I think essentially, um, uh, I think she, she's, uh, she's telling you uh, pretty much what, what you need to know. It's, um, this area is a little strange, just to add to what she said. We find that geotechnical technical factors often will um, contribute at times to these phenomena. That's that's our opinion anyway. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've actually worked with a soil engineer and electrical engineer on several cases to try and, and get some evidence for this. But it seems that when you have a high water table with clay or sandy soils, as we do in this area, especially near the river, the Blackstone River, right. uh, very often the, these, these conduct electromagnetic fields, and uh, Rosemary mentioned EM fields as well, all the ghost hunters do too, but I don't know if they really understand them. And these seem to form the boundaries between worlds, and when they weaken, uh, more phenomena can occur. That, that's a simplistic way to put it. But it also depends on you. Uh, I think people also, always participate in whatever may be happening to them, paranormally speaking. And wow. I wanted to, uh, be, uh, well, because 
if someone has done something negative, if there's a lot of, of uh, if there's a lot of stress, if there's a lot of anger, fear, many of the things uh, Rosemary, Rosemary, jump in here when you want. I've heard that. I've heard that. Yes, I have. Yeah. Okay. I haven't had the easiest life going on. No, I haven't. Yeah, so, but yeah. but you know nobody really has. We all have stress in our lives. Families all always have uh, issues from time to time. But it's what you need to do is is keep that that solidarity, that love, that positive energy flowing to displace the negative energy. We call it the Peter Pan theory. Think happy thoughts. It might sound dumb, but it really no, works. No. Yeah. You know, Rosemary, yeah. what say you? Oh, I agree with you, Paul, and I've noticed this for years, this profile of uh, these haunted places, and uh, there is the um, physical factor, the content of the soil, high water table. I've seen that in so many profiles. Uh, and so you have these areas that uh, I, I think straddle dimensions, so to speak. They're very permeable in terms of what we call paranormal phenomena erupting through and uh, other beings being able to visit those places. And then you put certain people in those areas who have the right attunement to that energy or the right radar or whatever, and these people are going to have and uh, oftentimes when I go in to investigate cases, and especially where people are complaining about things that they just can't get rid of, there's always at least one person in the household who is this lifelong experiencer. They've had uh, profound experiences from childhood, and wherever they go, uh, stuff happens. It's like they, yeah. they that, would be me. that would be me. That would be me. Okay, audience. lucky you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Lucky you. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, but, Paul, I want to keep in touch with you, and I will through Facebook, okay? Yeah, keep in touch on Facebook, and I'm sure we can get together. We live in the area, too. So Definitely. thanks for calling in. Thank you. Okay, Bye. very good. All right, folks, so, yeah, we do have a few minutes. I'll give the numbers again, which I usually fail to do. It's uh, locally 401-766-1240 or anywhere in the U.S. and Canada, 800-449-1240. But, Rosemary, I, I have a theory about this, and let, let me let me you know fire it off and see what, what you think. Many years ago, of course, being having been in the seminary and being involved with some research on this and uh, unauthorized research, I might add, uh, being involved with some exorcisms, I would just experience this stuff and I would wonder what is really going on here. The theology just doesn't didn't seem to do it any more than the spiritualist approach did, at least not for me. And it seemed that there was really more going on. Looking back on it, I think that maybe many of these people. And many of the people who have experiences with parasites slash shadow people today are people who have discovered where, maybe their subconscious has discovered, and the entity's subconscious has discovered where in the multiverse they are one. That's, that's a funny concept, but I know you know what I mean, but a lot of the people listening might not. We are not just, as we say, in our own world. We are one super being, so to speak, across many. There are many. There seem to be many versions of us in, in many alternate worlds where things are a little different or a lot different. Our bodies might be different, but we're always. But it's all us. And at one point or another, this unity is indiscriminate, and we are a parasite or a shadow being or whatever you want to call it. And there may be a, a point of nexus where that unity is discovered, both by that entity and by you, and that's when the kind of bonding I've seen, an, an unholy bonding it might be, does tend to occur. And that is the the person, as uh, as Rosemary has perhaps indicated, is is that the person is willing, 
the entity is willing, and it, there's no stopping it at times. A bonding can occur, and I've seen both a, what used to be called obsession and what is traditionally called possession. And it's very difficult to disentangle when this bonding occurs. Rosemary, what say you? Well, that's a, a very interesting theory, Paul, and I think you're onto something there. That um, uh, we're we're getting into some very strange areas of consciousness in this research. Uh, yeah. The deeper we get into these entity contact experiences and the paranormal, and uh, all of us keep looking for what I call the you know the Oz behind the curtain. What what is really going on? And you just keep peeling away a layer after layer, and uh, this. Uh, this may be a very good explanation. I have not encountered that theory before, but I, I think it has a lot of merit. Well, maybe it does. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll continue to pursue it. Uh, before we get any farther, because we're three-quarters of the way through the show, I want to give you a chance to talk about your books, your website, and particularly your new your book, uh, Talking to the Dead, written with George Nury. My websites are visionaryliving.com. That's my main website. A lot of articles posted there. And uh, ginuniverse.com is a site about the beings called the jinn and how they are interacting with people and how they are playing out in haunting scenarios today. Uh, I've written a couple of books on the jinn, the vengeful jinn, the jinn connection, and uh, talking to the dead is uh, the book, George, that goes into high-tech spirit communications and uh, the evolution of all of our technology, uh, the telephone, the phonograph, um, the recorder, televisions, uh, everything that, that radios, everything uh, that, that we can modify for breaking the barrier between the living and the dead and with the spirit world. It's really amazing the research that's gone on and the evidence that uh, scientists, uh, engineers, and lay people like the paranormal investigators have accumulated to demonstrate that we can have contact and not only not only can we have contact, we can have real time two way contact. That's interesting. Let's let's get off on that for a second. A certain mutual friend of ours got into this this discussion with me at at one point on the air, and he was mentioning that. And I've heard this from other areas too. And Benkin and enlighten us because he's studying this at Emerson College. Uh, AM radio frequencies seem to be what the uh, electronic voice phenomena seems to be made of when we pick it up, EVPs, they're, they're the much vaunted uh, spirit voices and things that people seem to pick up on digital equipment or recording equipment, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it. Ben, what does AM stand for again? Amplitude modulation. That tells me a lot. Well, right. it's what we're doing right now. We're talking. Right. That is amplitude modulation. So why do you continue this conversation with Rosemary and, and maybe from your point of view, how, why would EVPs know. come across as... EVPs, as I mentioned to a guest we had before, who was like, wow, there are so many examples of all this. People can go in and find all this stuff. I hear Jack. I don't hear anything. Yeah. Because I hear a lot either. there is a fun little concept called psychoacoustics. It is an area of study where people study how the mind perceives sound and other parts of it too. But we're going to focus specifically on that because the human mind will put sounds in where it thinks it should hear them. To illustrate this, one of my professors in a critical listening class was saying, here, we're going to put on some pink noise, which is sort of like white noise, but a little different. And he's like, I'm going to have these two, these sign, these sine waves, which just sound like little blips, play behind this sound. And he's like, I want you to count them. 
So uh, people were like, oh, I counted like six, seven. I was like, I counted eight. And he was like, oh, well, you're hearing things. He's like, well, I shouldn't say that. He's like, you're not hearing things. So like what your brain is doing is putting in sounds where it think it should where it thinks it should be. It thinks it should hear another like blip after this, so it makes you think that you're hearing it. So when people say that EVPs you can hear people saying stuff, it's I don't hear anything. If I'm watching a video or something where it has subtitles under it, sure, I'll hear what they're saying. But if I look at this video, no subtitles or anything, I will hear nothing because I won't know what to hear. See, if the person who is recording it thinks they're hearing something like, um, they say, is somebody here? And you hear something like, yeah. It'll sound like, yes. You probably heard some, someone out there probably heard, yeah. yeah. When all I did was just <laughs> breathe into a mic. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing what the human mind does. So that's why I just don't believe that EVPs are anything more than what we think they're supposed to say. I mean, sure, there's a possibility of, Maybe catching like one world overlap or something like that where it's extremely clear, but for the most part, I just think it's a little fun case of psychoacoustics. So, what would the uh, co author of Talking to the Dead have to say to that? Uh, well, I believe that this area is very controversial, and there's often no way to prove uh, what some of these communications say or don't say. And uh, yes, it is uh, one of the biggest is that, yes, the mind does fill in. Uh, and it's, it's like, um, you know, matrixing off photographs, too, that if you're looking, uh, this is what skeptics say about the spirit faces that show up in photos, is that it's human brain doing the very natural act of trying to make coherence out of random patterns in the background. Um, where What we don't really know, and this is where we get into this blurry territory, is where does one leave off and, and the other start, that the argument is made that uh, spirits have to manifest uh, in some way in this environment, and they do not uh, have the capability of just showing up like people or just talking like people. So something has to be used as, um, as the, the building blocks or the clay or the canvas or whatever for manifestation to occur. And with sound, it seems to be background noise, uh, like the white noise, pink noise, brown noise, uh, jumbled up radio scan, whirrings of fans, running water, crowd babble, um, seem to provide some sort of raw material for spirits to, to form understandable words on top of or out of. And the same with pictures. That uh, if something non-human or non-corporeal is going to manifest in a physical photograph, how does it do it? Well, it has to do it in, in some way to show up in a way that our eyes can comprehend an image. So well, that, yeah. um, it's all very controversial. Yeah, it is. And if you uh, skeptics have taken EVPs and done many random studies where they've sent the same recording around to people, and oftentimes get no agreement on what's said. And then other times, you know, people will agree on what they think they hear. Now, what gets real interesting in the EVP is, is when you do get answers, specific answers to direct questions, not just random comments in the background uh, or monosyllabic sorts of answers that uh, would be very easy to guess out of some sort of, uh, you know, bumps in the sound. Uh, I do believe that there's something to it, 
Uh, and I do say in talking uh, to the dead that this is highly controversial and very unreliable. That's, uh, that, I think, is the fault of our technology right now. We haven't perfected the technology to uh, deliver a better um, evidence of communication. Well, that's fair enough. Uh, I, know, I, I bow to my son's uh, superior knowledge of uh, <coughs> audio science. Well, I'm or... not saying that it's not real. I mean, I'm saying there's definitely cases where this is it is very plausible that it could be some sort of effective communication. I'm not I'm not saying that it's not. I'm just saying I'm just pointing out that there might be an alternative reason for certain cases. Not to say that it's yeah. a blanket well, solution. for No, no, I, I understand. But I mean, I'm thinking of. Uh, I, I use it sparingly uh, because I have my doubts as well, but I think the same can be said, as you say, Rosemary, of photography. But I'm thinking of one instance in the uh, early 80s, which I have used uh, as an example on the year before. I uh, decided to try, and, and EVPs weren't big then, and I, I hadn't really heard the term yet, but I was investigating a house in Connecticut, and there was um, it was an old colonial house, as such as we have in New England. You're a New Englander too, Rosemary, so you know. And uh, I, everybody was gone. I left a an old cassette tape recorder on the stairs, and left. I came back two hours later. Nobody had been in the house. I know that because I was was in, within sight of the house at a little lunch counter uh, the whole time. And the uh, what I got on the tape was someone having a meal. This house had been built in the early 1700s, and we all know what a, a, a well-attended meal sounds like. You could hear the utensils. You could hear people talking and laughing. You could even hear people belching or burping, which is not considered polite today, but in the, in the 18th and early 19th century was considered a normal part of a meal, believe it or not, in some areas. And so uh, I never forgot that, and I, you know, I, have, I, I don't know. Um, so I think uh, you both have a point. It is controversial, uh, but it is um, possibly something that's uh, that's important evidence in, in, in a case. Uh, what it might mean, I don't know. But uh, to me, that indicated uh, simply picking up something that was going on somewhere or somewhere else in the right. simultaneous parallel whatever. But uh, there we have it. So, uh, Rosemary, uh, I, I just wanted to, to ask uh, one one more thing. I think we've got a couple minutes left. When it comes to uh, maybe getting beyond shadow people into some other creatures that might not be considered cryptids, I'm thinking of the uh, the so-called stick-like figures that have been reported in California, really apparently for centuries by some of the natives, and that uh, people have picked oh, up the night, recently. The night crawlers? Oh, is it, yeah, the night crawl. I think that's yeah, what they've been called. Yeah, yeah, which okay. is weird because they don't crawl; they walk. So. Yeah, but they seem like stick figures. They've been recorded on cameras. Uh, they seem to be all legs and head and not much body. And I'm thinking of the particular video that uh, taken by a security camera of one uh, seeming adult who was not really very tall and, and a smaller one. I mean, what say you about all that? I mean, are these related to the shadow people or just pass-throughs or what? In, in some respects, you could explain all mysterious as manifestations of jinn because that that would be something that they would enjoy doing as they're masterful shapeshifters, and uh, they seem to like bizarre forms that confound and frighten and puzzle people. Uh, those stick figures in, in uh, variations have been reported in the, the uh, Midwest and the East, too. Uh, there's a number of cases from Pennsylvania and also Ohio uh, where these, these things are, they're often seen like walking down the side of the road, and they're yeah. like pencils, and they're incredibly thin. Huh. And... Uh, 
sometimes they seem to be aware of people. Uh, I'm thinking of one particular case in Pennsylvania where, um, and this was seen by a friend of mine, uh, Rick Fisher, who's a paranormal investigator. Uh, he saw it early one morning driving along the road, and he said that you could have uh, easily put both hands around the waist of this thing. It was so thin. Yeah. And uh, and when he pulled up alongside of it, it swung it toward the car, and it seemed to have these yellow eyes. And uh, it just and vanished into thin air. So these all could be related all yeah. over the place. Well, everything's related. Well, I guess uh, we're yeah, just about I mean, out of time, but, but Rosemary... We never run out of fascinating conversation with you, and thanks again for another great show. We'll have to have you back to talk about some of these things. It's amazing. And just very quickly, if we could give you websites again and where people can get the book. Visionaryliving.com and ginuniverse.com and also on Amazon.com. Very good. Rosemary Ellen Garley, everyone. Rosemary, will be in touch off the air. Thanks again. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. All right, everybody, you want to certainly want to visit our show website at BehindTheParanormal.com, where you can find over 500 free podcasts of past shows. Also, check our site at NewEnglandGhosts.com, where there are case studies, photos, and lots of articles. So, so you're going to call me Dad. <laughs> no, not, not, not just yet. Um, <laughs> find my books on Barnes & Noble Nook and Amazon e-reader. I should say the e-readers, Amazon. <laughs> I'll get it. Amazon, Kindle, and Barnes & Noble Nook, Amazon.com as well. But if you buy them directly at the show website behindtheparanormal.com. I'll be happy to sign them for you, and we'll keep, you, you'll help us keep all those podcasts free. I'm tongue-tied today. It's also on our sites, you'll find direct links to the charities that ben, ben, ben and I mentioned earlier. And on our CBS radio edition of the show on Sunday, December 15th in Boston, Pittsburgh, Detroit, Windsor, and Seattle, Vancouver, we will have a rebroadcast of a July 14th show with Nick Redfern, and the title being Bizarre Creatures, The Classified Files. We should probably mention that that's... We, we yeah. sh yes, we should. We, uh, it's really strange to us, but we uh, heard from CBS this morning that uh, the entire section of the network on which we broadcast is being shut down as of January 1st. So, um, yeah, last this, night was our last Last night was show. our last live CBS show, on, at least on that part of the network. So... Uh, Things may be happening in other areas, but for now, uh, there won't be any more CBS show uh, after this coming Sunday, which itself will be a rebroadcast. So stay tuned on that. That does not affect us here on WON. We'll still be on Mondays uh, at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And uh, that's uh, tonight's the exception because uh, we ask you to stay tuned for the Milk Fund special with Romeo Berthium, and which will include an auction that should be pretty exciting. So the, a marvelous local charity here, the Milk Fund. Indeed. So next Monday, December 30th, right here on WON 1240 and com, we welcome back uh, Maureen Dawn Healy. Oh, no, we don't welcome her back. We welcome her because she's never been, been on before. before. I'm, I'm thinking of somebody else who also has the name Maureen. And she is an, an expert uh, is, uh, in so-called uh, indigo children. Oh, I remember that stuff. So if you are a parent out there, you should uh, listen in. So we will leave you this evening with a uh, thought from the great UCLA basketball coach, John Wooden. American author... Uh, no, that, that shouldn't be there. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, that's what I get for reading. Uh, don't let making a living prevent you from making a life. I'm Ben Eno. And I'm Paul Eno. On behalf of both of us and everyone here at WON 1240, a Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night.
Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.